Welcome to Key Exchanges in the 901 Podcast. It's the podcast where we share the real stories of the real estate community here in Memphis. These are the stories that help every key change hands, the stories that are shaping the real estate market in our city. I'm Dane Williams, your key connection for home insurance, and I'll be your host today. And our studios today where we're recording are powered by the Jason Woods Home Loan Team and Sophie Sandlin Rains, both of them phenomenal loan officers with Community Mortgage. And today is an episode that I have been excited about since well before I was able to lock these guests in to talk about these topics. In my second segment, I'll have some of my absolute closest friends in the business on the show and Amanda Lott with Cry Like Midtown and Kelly Jones with Community Mortgage. And we'll be having just a fascinating conversation surrounding the topic of work-life balance and if it's even possible in real estate. And you will not want to miss that. And before I introduce my first guest, though, I want to take a second to tell you about one of our featured partners this week. Ruby Red Media is one of our featured partners this week on key exchanges in the 901. Did you know that 82% of all consumer internet traffic is made up of online videos? More than 83% of internet users in the U.S. access digital video content this year. And viewers retain 95% of a message when they watch it in video form compared to 10% when just reading the text. All that said, if you're not utilizing video as a way to sell your real estate business, then you're missing the mark. Once you've settled on that, then the only choice to make is to call John Arroyo with Ruby Red Media. Whether it's branding videos or micro content for social media or cinematic walkthroughs and photos for your next listing, there's no one better than John and his team at Ruby Red Media. A lot of you may have seen some of my earlier videos that I personally made when I was getting started in the real estate industry back in the day. But when it came time for me to partner with a video pro to make content for the podcast, there's no other option to consider other than Ruby Red Media. I know there's someone out there thinking, I'd look ridiculous on video. I hate the sound of my voice. I don't even know what I'd say. And I can tell you from firsthand experience and the testimonials of countless others that the team at Ruby Red will make the entire experience comfortable and enjoyable. And they're going to make sure that you're putting your best foot forward in your next video project. When we know the industry is heading a direction now, you can make that decision today to get out ahead of it and be one of the ones leading or be left playing catch up to your competitors down the road. If you'd like to check out some of their work, head to Instagram and search for at John Ruby Red Media. That's John, J-O-H-N, Ruby Red Media. Or you can go to their website at rubyredmedia.com. And if you're ready to start the ball rolling, you can email him directly at john at rubyredmedia.com and start the conversation. Ruby Red Media does phenomenal work, and they are someone that I'm incredibly proud to have as a featured partner on Key Exchanges in the 901. My first guest... Well, my first guest is someone that I am incredibly proud to call a friend. Uh, It's someone whose victories I celebrate regularly. Uh, When I first met her, we served on a board for the Young Professionals Network together, and she blew me away with how engaged she was and how driven she was to make a difference in just our small circle. I I took notice of her work ethic there in the small things, and I had no idea that she was a secret badass selling more real estate than most of the people I knew at the time. Originally from Mexico City, this dreamer immigrated to the United States when she was six years old. Later in elementary school, she eventually settled into Memphis, where she's called home ever since. I'm telling you guys, this woman is different from other people. I have been blessed to sit across this table from some of the just the most amazing agents that our cities have to offer, some phenomenal people that have accomplished so many great things. And with all that said, I'm not sure I've had a guest that I've looked forward to having on as much as I'm excited to speak with this amazing agent. She's one of the newest members of the Keller Williams family. She recently moved the Sanchez team in September. She is the wife to Neftali. She is the mom to the most adorable Neftali Jr. 
She is someone who is driven to raise the amount of Hispanic homeowners in our area, and she's someone that I am blessed to call a friend. Without any further ado, it is my profound honor and great privilege to welcome Miss Itzel Sanchez onto Key Exchanges in the 901. Thanks for coming on the show, Itzel. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I, I am excited to have you here, but I, I always start off each one of my conversations the exact same way. I got to figure out how the heck did we get here. So I need you to, to hop in the Wayback Machine with me and tell me how on earth did you end up in real estate? Um, I started when I was 19, 19 and a half, something <laughs> like that. Um, I got out of college and I couldn't, uh, proceed with college. Mom had cancer and she was a single mom. Mm. So then we started to rent a house and the lady that was renting houses said, Hey, I need an assistant. And my mom said, well, obviously I can't cause she was going through that health issue. And she was like, well, my daughter can help. And I jumped in and the lady two months later said, Hey, I have to go. I have to leave to Arizona. And I was like, okay. And she was like, but here's my rental list and you can just keep doing rentals. And I was like, perfect. So I You're literally 19 years old, 19 years old. Yeah. My goodness. And then I was like, that's fine. And I loved the Nissan Altima she was driving. And I was like, I want to do real estate because she's driving a Nissan Altima with a push button, you know? <laughs> Back in my day, that was a push button was a big thing, you know? So um, long story short, she literally told me, I'm leaving. Here's the thing. Somebody else on the team at that moment told me, why don't you go ahead and get your real estate license because you're doing rentals already. And I was like, I don't know, maybe. And then I started seeing that I liked you know, just doing it. And I was like, I'm going to go ahead and get my real estate license. It took me literally a year to do it. Like mm. I was like, I don't want to do it. I don't think this is right. And then out of the nowhere, I took the test like three times mm -hmm. and I failed it. And mm -hmm. I was like, this is not for me. I'm just pushing it too hard. And no, that you were was also a child case. at the time. Like you, you were, you were yeah. very young to be sitting for any real estate. Test. Well, I was working full-time job at the property management company that I was renting houses for. And I was trying to help my mom go through her cancer while I was in school for real estate and trying to pass these darn tests that I couldn't pass, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, and taking care of my little brother, cause my mom had was sick. So I had a young brother that I had to take care of as well. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, at the moment it wasn't like my top priority. My top priority at the moment was to pay the rent and make sure there was food on the table for my family, yeah. you know? Um, afterwards, I was like, okay, if I need to move on, uh, I need to get my real estate license going. I was like, one more time, I went to Miss Kevin Fig and I was like, I need to take this, I don't know, it was a 15-hour class whenever you fell it three times or something. <laughs> and I was like, I'm here. And she's like, you? And I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. And I took that class and I passed it that fourth time. Mm. I was, I went to celebrate that day. And then it's just been history after that. I mean, I never grew up saying I want to sell houses. I always grew up saying I wanted to be a nurse at St. Jude because a lot of my family members had cancer. Mm. And I always kind of like wanted to be that companion nurse that could come in and cheer up their day type of thing. Yeah. So I was always looking forward to being a nurse. And when that kind of went down, I went into like, okay, now what? You know, so never did I look into like, I want to do real estate, but here I am. So yeah, that's part of that. That's wild. Uh, what was uh, what was life like growing up for you? Because I mean, we touched on a little bit in the intro, and I don't know the answers to a lot of this. I know your family moved to the states when you were six. Um, you had a little stretch somewhere else, but like, tell me what life was like growing up for you. Um, I mean. I had a lot of cousins and family members here too, yeah. you know, so it was great. Like we had like those summers, um, sitting out until the, until it was dark, you know, you knew dark. 
I still live those moments, you yeah, know, like yeah. I was still part of that to where, okay, it's dark. It's time to go in, you know, playing soccer and everything. I lived at Sherry apartments off of uh, Cherry now colonial acres down there. And then we moved to a house on Gilson road afterwards and my brother was born. So then I was a big sister and mm-hmm. I was really glad I was. And I mean, it was great. I really like everything. Every time I think of my childhood is like that, those two streets, Cherry, Willow Oaks. Like, it's just, that's where I was. I walked to school. I walk home with all my cousins and it was great. Like, I really loved it. It was like summers being out, like, you know, our winters or Christmas were like 30, 40 people at our house. And Jeez. we were like in a three one, you know, we didn't know what sizes were. Um, I enjoyed it. I didn't, I didn't. I really don't remember Christmas. I never had a gift, you know, and I really loved that. I mean, I had socks I had, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and I didn't know what I was missing. Like, I always loved whatever I got for Christmas. So it was a great Christmas. It was a great childhood that I had. I love that. You uh, you and I have known each other for three or four years now. Um, I've been lucky to meet some incredible agents in my time in the business, but there may not have been one that I've met that I'm I'm more proud of than all that you've accomplished. And you. you, you're incredibly driven. You're a wonderful problem solver. It leads me to believe like you probably could have done really whatever it is you want to do. You were going to pass some sort of test eventually to do whatever. I, I mean, you had the nursing stretch. Was there ever a time when you said, all right, now I've done real estate for a while. Things are taken care of. Maybe I want to go do something else. Maybe I want to go to college. Was there ever a time when it was not real estate for you anymore? Yeah. I wanted to be a stay home mom. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. Whenever I was pregnant, I was like, okay, I really want to be a stay-at-home mom. Like, I'm going to stop real estate, and I'm just going to be a stay-at-home mom. After talking to a lot of my friends, they were like, are you really wanting to do that? You don't seem wired for that. Yeah, exactly. But I, I really, like... Going back to my childhood, I remember how mom used to cook for us, used to pick up us from school. She used to, like, bake for us, and I want to be that mom. I mm-hmm. want to be that mom that's present, and I didn't want to be the mom that was never there you know that oh she has to go show houses and she can't be here for me and I want to be a really present mom so being a stay-home mom for me was a, was a career man mm-hmm. that was like I got my rental homes I don't need any more income yeah. I'm just gonna stay home and chill but to be honest after I had the baby because that's when I got pregnant mm-hmm. after I had the baby I was like uh-uh um <laughs> I need some me time I need to make sure I can at least go out of the house twice a week and make sure that I'm okay, you know? So after I realized that, I was like, I can still be a mom and still handle my career. I just need to put more limits up, you know, like not taking calls after seven o'clock or six o'clock and making sure that I... I, I am with my child when I'm like, be present. Because you can be there on the phone, re- you know, responding to text messages. But I just decided that I'm going to do both careers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one, a little bit more part-time than I used to do it. Because, I mean, real estate was my full-time, seven-day-a-week thing. Yeah. that You say full-time, and it's not like other people say full-time, right? You worked a lot and you you still like I mean you, you are incredibly driven so a 40-hour week like that's a light week for you right yeah there is. Um, <laughs> so the colleague of it part-time is kind of silly because you're still putting in tons of hours yeah. on, on all fronts yeah I mean I just want to call it part-time so my 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 mommy guilt don't kick in okay you know? that's fair, that's fair. <laughs> I think I realized that because sometimes a lot of people are like are you working less hours I'm like yes I'm part-time you know yeah, but just, just a part-time 70-hour week <laughs> I think it's just my mommy guilt like okay I'm still there you know what I mean but yeah 
Yeah, I, I am still doing the same O I used to do. Yeah, it's, uh, you're you're having uh, killer success as well. I mean, for the last four years, you've been in the top twenty Latino real estate agents in the entire country, which is bananas <sighs> to me. That uh, yeah, that, that was when I realized, I guess we were sitting in some board meeting or something and your name came up at something. I'm like, wait a second, I have to go find this list. How how was this happening? Maybe the first year that you had, you had made it or something like that. But in 2019, you were number eight, which is crazy, right? When you first got in the business, did you ever believe that like, okay, you're going to accomplish all these things you have done selling 150, 175 houses a year. I mean, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Never, never did I think I was going to do that. Never did I think that it was going to be like that. I I always thought that I was going to be able to keep it part-time. <laughs> Literally. Like, I always thought this is just going to be like a, something I can just keep in my back pocket and, you know, just help families when I can. But the, I think that more that got me to that point was like, okay, I'm going to help another family. I'm going to help another family. I'm going to help another family. Mm-hmm. I'm going to help another family. And I never thought about... And anything else like it was just I'd never it's funny because when I met Sarah Layson Mm -hmm. and Kim at Keller when I was about to move they're like do you know your volume I said no you didn't know your volume they did I promise you they knew your volume before and they were like do you know your 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 net amount and I was like no and they were like you're what and I was like where do you look that up and she was just like girl and I was like, I just don't know what I do. I just work because I love to work. I don't look up numbers. Do you have your goals for next year? Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, what? And I was like, I mean, I don't know if this machine is going to break because I don't do that. But I mean, it's been working perfectly yeah, without just- me budgeting for anything else, you know? So I just help families to help families, you know? And I mean, obviously around the, around the way, and I always tell people, I prefer to deal with clients than I do with agents yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. as bad as that sounds you know but I mean we have to work with both but Mm -hmm. I love I love to work with clients like showing them houses that's my that's my dinner (laughs) yeah that's that's fun Uh, I think one of the things that's also uh, incredibly admirable about your career is that you've got a a healthy mix of that drive and that passion for helping real families that are going to really live in our community and do a lot of these things. And then also you've got investor business that you're working as well uh, with people acquiring rentals and all the things that go with that. How difficult is it for you to switch back and forth in that mindset of this is an investor property and let's figure out what the rates are going to be. And then this is a family that just wants to live somewhere that's got the big tree in the front yard or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, I think more than anything, it's just, I look at it like wealth for the family. So it's another family that I'm helping build wealth for their children. Mm, Come on now. So that's the way I look at it. So if I help you build your portfolio, Dane, then guess what? Your children are going to have that in the future. And I look at that more. Like I always ask them, how many children do you have? So you, (laughs) if you have four children, you need four houses at least. Cause you need, you know, (laughs) I look at that that way more than, um, so, I mean, just talking to them about interest rates and everything, I'm just more like, okay, this is how much you're going to pay, but college for your child is going to be this amount in the future so that's going to pay off their college you know so it's more yeah always think about that extra thing that they can do to help them you know and I mean most of my investors were out of towners Mm -hmm. now I'm becoming more local because I have a lot of local investors that want to join I mean I have investors that started with one property and we've built them up to 15 and 20 properties which I'm so proud of them you know because they've been following my guidelines and I'm like just put five thousand dollars down here and then we'll get this one going and then now they're they sold when our market was pretty hot last year and then we're buying again you know so it's just an ongoing thing I think it's more the way you look at it 
That's so exciting. Um, you uh, you said you, you grew up in Colonial Acres. Uh, eventually, you ended up in Cordova, Cordova High and the whole nine there. But you've been involved with WCR, with the Young Professionals Network, with MNBC, a whole host of other organizations in and around the city. You, you're a Memphian that invests and gives back to our community. Uh, where does that come from for you? Because that, that's a special heart that someone's got to have to want to uh, give back to the, to the level that you desire to. Um, I guess where I came from. Okay. Um, wanting to help others as I have asked a lot of people when I was first starting to help me and I never actually got the help as a realtor, mm -hmm. as a daughter, as, you know, like my mom was always there for me, but like whenever I needed people to be there to help me with my mom when she was in illness, that really like pushed my buttons, you mm -hmm. know, um, to know that I need to be a human, that I can help other people when they're at their least or at least not at their least, but when they need help, it's because mm -hmm. they need help. You know, when I moved to Keller, I realized how, how I'm not good with technology as much as I think <laughs> I was. Um, and a lot of people are there to help, you know, and I'm like, I love that. I love that. I can actually, I have somebody I can reach out to and say, Hey, I don't know how to do this. Can you help? And I've always have somebody at Keller to help me. And right this moment, like I want to be that person for somebody else. Like, you don't know what you do when you give a $5 bill to somebody standing in the stop sign. And you don't, I don't care what he uses for it, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I just, I just have the heart to say he's going to use it for whatever makes him happy at the moment. If it's a beer, if it's a burger, whatever it is, I'm just, I just like to see people happy. I guess that's just yeah. the way to, around yeah. that. You're a sweetheart. You're a sweetheart. Uh, recently, your real estate practice has expanded beyond just you. Uh, for the longest time, you were a one-woman show, mm -hmm. uh, running everything and, and growing people. Um, it's been something to where we've added family members, we've got assistants, we've got different things happening now. What was the thought process when you said, all right, I, I need it to be more than just me to, to do more things? Mommy. Yeah. <laughs> I think that if it wasn't a, I wasn't a mom, I would still do this, though, because yeah. it's a lot. I mean, it has, I remember talking to one of my assistants and I was like, I just can't wait till we have a little bit of a break. And yeah. she was like, you're not going to have a break. And no. I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, if you still, if you keep selling houses, guess what's going to happen? Like they're going to keep recommending you and this is going to double. I never, never thought about that. Like I was never thinking, I was always like, I remember when I was first starting, I had those slow moments when you never had anybody call you mm -hmm. and you had literally to put something on Facebook to like spike stuff up. Yeah. That was that was the moment I was waiting for. But I have never I have not had a downfall time like to where I don't get a call in a day for real estate for the last four or five years. So it's pretty hectic. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, I need help. I need help. Um, so I went from one woman show to a 14. So That's I have um, two transaction coordinators and two agents. Yeah. Um, and then we go from there. I mean, I, more than anything is if I want to grow and if I think that. I'm growing. I mean, I didn't want to grow, to be honest. I didn't want to grow. No. I, I, no. <laughs> um, that was never on my list. It was never on my checklist to... But it makes sense, though, because you, you want to help people. And now this is you changing another four families' lives. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that you're getting to pour into them in ways that you are, are blessed and talented in ways to where, let, let me go ahead and change their lives now through this. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So... 
Um, yeah. And I guess I'm really like, I like to hold her hand and I like to know everybody I close. I'm mm. not that person that is like, oh, I don't care. Like we close the, the Johnsons and I don't know who the Johnsons are. Like I want to meet the people. Like yeah. I want to know who you are. So I guess that's where it hits me sometimes that, oh, we close that family. I never got to meet them, man. You know? Yeah. But I kind of think that I have to get deattached from having that and just being okay with that, I guess. Well, it just, it shifts, right? You're just, you're more invested in your team in different ways that that's impacting their lives. And it's just, you, you know, a part of the machine and the process yep. that you're working. So yep. it's different, but yep. it's, uh, it's good. Yeah. Well, having a team of two buyer's agents changed literally in the last, what, two or three months yeah. because it was me and my brother for a whole year. And then he was getting worn out I'm and sure. I was like, okay, we'll bring somebody else for help. That's funny. <laughs> so yeah, they're out showing houses now and each of them have four appointments. And I'm like, I could have never done eight appointments in a day. Yeah. Like I used to, but not anymore. Yeah. That's, it's, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, it, you touched on this a little bit here about the recently making the change uh, and, and moving over to KW uh, and all the things that go with that. Uh, is a big splash. I remember seeing the Facebook posts and getting the ads and I'm like, man, they no, I, I love her too. I'm like, this is exciting. She looks like uh, she's a big deal because she is a big deal. That's great. Yeah. What was it that, uh, that prompted you to make that switch and kind of the thought process for saying this is going to be a good fit for my business? Um, if I knew I wanted to have a team, I knew where I was at, that we didn't have the structure to have a team. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I was like the only real estate agent that ran as a real estate agent in the company mm. type of thing. Cause it was more of property management yeah. more than, so I was like, I need to move to a real estate office. So I actually never been in a real estate office to where there was other realtors. I was always in a real estate office when we had uh, billing and uh, collections mm-hmm. and yeah. all this other Pairs stuff. And yeah, exactly. So um, it's new. It's as, 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 as hard as that sound, it's new to yeah. sit around realtors. Well, after having sold a gazillion houses all without it to now look up and go like, Oh wait, there's other people making sales calls. That's weird. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I love it. I mean, they're helping me grow, mm-hmm. um, um, to move the parts that I needed to move to grow. Um, so what a team contract looks like, what, you know, what everything is going to be like. And I would have never been able to do that where I was at. I mean, it was either me, myself and I, and I didn't know how to move on. So if I needed to grow, I needed to move to a company that grows with me, you know? So that's the reason I decided to go to Keller. That's good. Well, I'm curious, what's, what's next for the Sanchez team? Because I mean, you've, you've changed brokerages. You personally, you've gotten married, you've had a baby. I mean, you've climbed a lot of mountains now. What's the next thing? Oh man. Um, to be honest, none of the stuff that's been going on, as you have hint, uh, heard, have been planned. So <laughs> <laughs> it's really been going with the flow and it's been working out perfectly. I am such, I am a believer. I believe in God. So to be honest, I just pray to him and I say, I tell him, you are my mentor. You are my uh, partner and you own a hundred percent of this. So whatever you want to take me, just guide me there, you know, mm. and it's always worked. Yeah. And and I have no doubt that he has more plans for me. Yeah. Uh, but to right now, I think more than anything, personally today, achieving what achieving a team. So making sure that they are all yeah. aligned like I work, you know, because 
if I can add 10 people to my team, but if they don't work like I work, then there's no point, you yeah. know? So I need to teach them how I work, how I like to, the, the clients to be trained and everything. So it's going to be a process. I think for the next year, it's going to be more like making them a great, making them a great agent so mm -hmm. we can see what's next with the team. But right now is literally staying with Keller, selling more houses and planning a client event. I want to do like a, on our Hispanic culture, we've never had a client event. So really? I will be the first Hispanic agent to have a client appreciation event. That's cool. I just don't know how many clients are going to show uh, up. Maybe a zillion. That's the reason yeah. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I, all, every uh, taco truck in the city needs to be there because you're going to have all of like, I know. Uh, that's the reason I was like, how am I going to plan this? This is big. But I think that's my next goal. Like really having like lenders and um, insurances and having uh, little clowns play and, 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 you know, like that's my next yeah. dream. Yeah. If you want to call it that. That's way. fun. That's fun. Uh, it sells not only a friend of mine, but she's also a client of us here at Shoemaker. She, she drinks the Kool-Aid that she's, she sells and she has her own investment real estate portfolio that we insure. Um, one conversation that I always enjoy getting to have with investors is centered around market value versus replacement cost value. It's uh, so how, um, how well do you think most real estate investors are aware of the differences between that market value and replacement cost value as it pertains to their insurance? Oh, they don't. They don't know it. No, <laughs> it, it's it's something to where uh, market value. That, that's what you helped them buy it for, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but what it would actually take for them to rebuild it, you'd say they have no real guess on that at all. Mm -mm. Yeah, I. I that's been a similar conversation that I've had as well um, to where when we're talking about how much do we need to insure these properties for, it, it, it can really be a struggle to say like, let's, let's figure that out. It's going to take more. Mm -hmm. I know you only paid X for it, but like, it's just the wood and the nails and the shingles and mm -hmm. the granite. It costs more than that, man. So um, getting people to understand if you're okay with that, that's fine. Just mm -hmm. like if you, you want to walk away with a certain number, I'm okay with that. But more times than not, I found that the investors, they, they don't know. Mm -hmm. They don't have any idea. They think that their house is going to go right back up oh, yeah. uh, without it. And, and sometimes that can lead to a tough conversation when the storm happens or the fire happens to try to piece it all back together on not enough money. Oh, yeah, that happens. I I, I haven't had an investor have a burnout yet, and I hope. Mm -hmm. yeah, knock on wood. I don't want that um, because um, obviously it's a lot. But, I mean, we've never had to, but that's the reason they don't know Yeah, because – it hasn't happened. They never got burned yet. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I, I want to change gears here a bit uh, and talk about, about uh, more you as a person. Uh, did you ever have any interesting past jobs or side hustles along the way? Yeah, I was a Pizza Hut. Yeah? Yeah, what? call center. In the call center, no less. How about that? Uh, that was my college job when I was going to nursing school. Is uh, is that a terrible job? It doesn't seem like something I'd enjoy. Um, I really loved it. Did you? Yeah. Okay. I was wanting to become a supervisor. You know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I always wanted to, like, be in a computer. I love computers. I don't know why. And I remember when I was little, I used to, like, want to go to the supply section and Target or Walmart and just buy sticky notes or paper clips. So I really loved having my little station. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was, like, 300 people in a, in a, in a big room, and we were all talking at the same time. But it was the first time I had a computer, and I was talking to a human, and I was acting like like a secretary, you yeah. know? So we were not at a pizza hut. We were, like, in a calling center. So it was, I mean, I enjoyed it. Yeah. But that was my 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 job. And before then, my family owns like a jumping world business yeah. type of thing. So I used to be like their cashier. Yeah. But that's it. That's fun. 
That's fun. Uh, what movie have you seen more than any other? Shrek, because of my baby brother. Okay. He was just hooked and it was always on. Yeah, it was always on. It was like, he had, I don't know if you ever knew, but you know, Shrek had little babies. Okay. And we bought them at, uh, what's that called? Where you build your own bear. Oh, build a bear? Oh, yeah. And we bought the, like, three little babies and my brother had a haircut. Yeah. And he cut their hair oh, God. with scissors. And I was like, why did you cut their hair? And he was like, because I had a haircut. They need a haircut. That's so those things were like 20-some bucks per. And my mom was so mad. And he, sure. put, he put some tape on it. And he said, they're fine, Mom. They're, they got tape. And mm. I was like, okay, brother. That's so funny. Uh, fast food guilty pleasure. Oh, man. Olive Garden. Olive Garden. I love pastas. Okay. Yeah. I think I would love to be in Italy. Okay. Yeah. You should go to Italy. Like that's something you can do. Like you should just make that happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With the one-year-old. That's the, yeah. <laughs> Down the road. Down the road. Uh, go to comfort food. Pasta. Uh, pasta. Yeah. Noodles. I love to. Uh, yeah. Uh, most awkward thing that happens to you on a regular basis. I lose my keys and my phone. <laughs> that's and you don't, you can't believe what happened to me today. Okay. Well, let's hear it. I lost my makeup bag. Okay. And I needed some foundation to come here. Okay. So I knew there was going to be something. L- lights and yeah. cameras and photos. Yeah. And I went to Ulta and I bought all this makeup. <laughs> and then I get to my office, which where I was at before I headed to Ulta, and I found my makeup. Mm, of course you did. So I lose a lot of stuff. I mean, and, and I mean, when I mean stuff, it's just personal stuff. Yeah. You yeah. know. Cell phones and wallets. and Yeah. All those important things. Just the things that just power important your things. entire life. Yeah. <laughs> something weird that you recommend everyone try at least once. Tongue, tongue tacos. Yeah. Is this a, uh, <laughs> I, I am, I don't know that I've had it. If I have, like it was a surprise to me. So I don't realize. Is it They're a, really good. Is it a, similar to another meat that I've had? Or is it something where it's like, you know, this is different and you know you're having tongue tacos. You were going to know you're having <laughs> different tacos. Is it like shredded or is it like, no, this is no, like. No, it's a, it's a chunk. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. I, and when I was a baby okay. in Mexico City. When I was three, my dad said I used to eat like five of those tacos. Because in Mexico City, the tacos are pretty small. They're yeah. like this small. And he said he used to have five. And in Mexico City, they don't give them in chucks. They actually, it's the tongue itself. Oh, no, 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 no. It no. was really mm-hmm. good. I'm and sure, I still love them. I'm sure it's delicious. But there's like a mental thing of like, this thing looks like Just it's, don't lic- think about it's it. like licking my tongue, though. And I'm don't, not trying to get involved. No, it's a cow's tongue. Even more reason than <laughs> I. Uh, I love it. What about that? What about the weirdest thing that's happened to you in real estate? Oh, a lot of stuff. <laughs> a lot of stuff? Yeah. So I was in a, I don't know if I should say this because she's going to know uh. that it's her. <laughs> <laughs> I was in a buyer consultation. Well, it's been three of them, actually, now See, that I think so of it. so who knows who it could yeah, be? Any number uh-huh. of people. So then, um, I mean, yeah, a, a client farted in her buyer consultation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I literally looked at a person and I was like, Okay. All right. Let's go on with the presentation. (laughs) And, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, uh, (laughs) more stuff. I'm not going to tell you the other stuff because I may get in trouble. But it's fine. We're going to have key exchanges after dark where we have to disguise (laughs) her voice. And we just hear all the real stories. Literally. Just another Keller Williams agent. Nobody knows who this is. Yeah. Um, uh, See, thing that scares you. Like rats and, you know, uh, and roaches yeah. and snakes and all that other bad stuff around the world. 
Yeah. So, but here's the thing that I, I run into occasionally with people that are selling investment properties. Sometimes you get the ones that are maybe not in the best condition. Oh no, I've had rats run on my feet uh-uh. at investment houses. Yeah, no, that no. has happened. But I literally tell my client, I just saw a rat. It just hit me on my feet. I'm gonna wait for you outside. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in the daylight, in my car, uh, away from. The and rats. you'll let me know how much you want to offer. Thanks. There you go. Yeah. But uh, last question: If people want to get in touch with you to discuss buying or selling property, how can they do that? Uh, they can call me. Yeah. Yeah. We'll make sure that we've got uh, her cell phone number in uh, in the show notes here, so that you can follow up with that because that's how she wants you to you can call her. Yeah, just call me. I don't I don't like messages or emails to buy real estate. I like to talk to you on the phone. She's gonna ask you how many kids you have. Yeah, that's literally. <laughs> like, what you got? <laughs> that's funny. But it's uh, I, I appreciate your time. I appreciate oh, your friendship. You. I appreciate you coming on the show today. Oh, thank you for having me over. But guys, we're not done just yet. Up next, my friends, Amanda Lott and Kelly Jones are on the other side, and we're going to talk about uh, just engaging in the conversation about work-life balance. You're listening to Key Exchanges in the 901. The Jason Woods Home Loan Team is one of the very best in the entire industry. He's been one of the top producing loan officers at Community Mortgage for years now and is the branch manager of their South Haven location. Licensed in six states, he and his team are able to deliver service that is of the highest level that you should expect for your clients. No matter the loan type or the situations that your clients may find themselves in, the Jason Woods Home Loan Team is up for the task of getting your buyers to the closing table on time. If you've not used Jason Woods and his team, then you're missing out on working with a professional loan officer that's focused on quick turnaround times for pre-approvals and underwriting decisions, creating a stress-free experience for your buyers, and having one of their amazing team members available to help at any point in the process. Simply put, Jason and his team get the job done. If you'd like to get in touch with Jason to discuss your next home loan or to refer a client his way, you can call or text him directly at 901-246-0256 or email him at jason at communitymtg.com. The Jason Woods Home Loan Team is a part of Community Mortgage, an equal opportunity lender. Licensed in Tennessee, Mississippi, Arkansas, Kentucky, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. NMLS 99835 and 77047. And they are one of this week's featured partners on key exchanges in the 901. And we are back, back in our studio. where We are powered by the Jason Woods Home Loan Team and Sophie Sandlin Reigns, both of them phenomenal loan officers with Community Mortgage. In our next segment, I get two of my very dear friends back in the studio, uh, and we're going to talk about a subject that we, just, we need to have more conversations on in this industry specifically. While there are certainly times in each of our lives where there's no way in hell that any of us are qualified to talk about this topic, uh, we, we each have our own experiences that have led us to, to having moments of success in these areas and moments of struggle. Uh, to, to live a more mentally healthy life as we kind of work our way through this. So, well, maybe not mentally healthy, maybe just less crazy, uh, yeah. mentally less crazy. So with that in mind, it's the industry's leading experts on slightly less crazy. Uh, it is my dear friends, Miss Amanda Lott with Cry Like Midtown, Miss Kelly Jones with Community Mortgage. Ladies, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Of course. Thanks for having us. Loving being here. <laughs> if you'd like more information about either of these ladies, you can go back and listen to their original key exchanges last season. For Amanda, you'll go back to episode 25. And for Kelly, she was on episode 51. She's still bitter that I made her wait that long. 
quick, guys. I, well, and uh, I was on another one earlier. Yes, yeah, so it was not your key, your first key exchange. Okay, though, right? you just had to work out the kinks before you got the professional. In. There that's, you that's go. What it is. That's what it is. Well, guys, <laughs> we'll, we'll start this off. Uh, Amanda, we'll start with you. Uh, we we have, uh, I guess, we have to admit, anyways, that all three of us have a few workaholic tendencies. Um, you, you might say, and finding balance in that battle is something that we may struggle with at various times. You two guys have earned so much respect for me over the course of knowing you for any number of reasons. But one of the biggest reasons is I've seen how you're able to perform at the highest levels our industries have to offer while finding ways to, to make time for yourself, for the things that you're passionate about and all this. I guess let's begin on the work side of things and try to figure out why is there never enough time to do what it is that we want to do? And why is there a struggle to, to um, achieve contentment with the levels of success we've achieved? Is there something that's driving you that you can figure out? Uh, yeah, so you're absolutely right. Uh, there's never enough time in the day. And I can say that I'm probably uh, overbooked and overworked 80% of the time. And the other 20%, I'm just kind of floating around. But for me, I was raised by a single mom, raised by a realtor. So I've grown up in this industry and I've seen how hard she's worked. Um, I went to all the appointments. I saw the hustle. I saw the grind. It was just instilled in me. Uh, you also add in there some, you know, trauma and some PTSD and some various other things. And you have made an overachiever. It's just how it goes. <laughs> uh, so um, I'm hardwired that way, but it it's a struggle every day to try to find that quote unquote balance in some form or fashion. And I, I can't say that I'm successful at it all the time, but I definitely try to get there every day. And it's it's a struggle for me. It's a struggle for a lot of top producer realtors, and it's a struggle for just the general population now. And I think even more so now that we've come post COVID and we had that little glimpse of a couple years of like, oh, we can have like some peace and some calm. And then mm -hmm. now we're back in the grind again. And it was like, do I want it to be this way? What do I need to change to go back to a little bit of what that was um, is, instead of what it was prior to, you know, to 2020? So for me, the drive is success. Everybody wants that. I think in most top producers, there's a little bit of ego there, sure. obviously that we're continuously striving for, but also just how your upbringing was and what your, your general goals are, but it's, it's a hard balance to achieve those, but then also make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons and that you're happy with the results. Kel, one of the things that she hit on that I'm interested in, because I, I feel like I've seen this in your life, when we talk about getting to know some of the peace that came with COVID and not having a gazillion things to do and to be at and everything that comes with that, you're someone that's planning a lot of the events and doing all the things, and you had this stretch where it just it looked different. Um, is that something that you've noticed, kind of that adjustment coming out of it to where it's like, all right, I just maybe I, I don't need to, to people as much, right? I need to shift or adjust and do some, some different things so that I can maintain some of the, the health that I've realized, Oh, this is actually good for my body to, to not burn the candle at both ends. Yeah. I think, um, from being as Amanda and I being very good friends, we're, we're complimentary. I am extremely extroverted while she is very much not. Not so much. And, um, I was, I mean, at the height of my going and doing all the things when COVID hit and it really made me shift. Um, it made me kind of enjoy the peace and the quiet. And then when things started to ramp up, um, it was more like, well, what's the purpose of what we're doing? And if there's not a strong purpose, if there's not a ROI, if it's not intentional, why are we doing this? Why am I stepping away from my family to do something like this. And also during the shift, everybody was pivot, pivot. And it, and as a marketer, 
and you see so many people doing things a better, quote unquote, better or different way at a higher level, you kind of get bogged down and you're like, oh my gosh, am I even, even good at my job? And so it becomes this vicious cycle of like, am I good enough? Why even try? And then maybe I'd just rather spend time with my family. So my level of extroversion has gone a little bit down more into, you know, I'm doing this for a purpose and, or I just truly enjoy it. If it's not any of, any of those things, I have a hard time with justifying to do it. Mm, that's good. Uh, Amanda, in your opinion, is it um, unhealthy to just constantly be driven to achieve more regardless of the amount of success you may have already achieved? Yeah, this is a hard one for me. Um, yes and no. Um, it's totally okay to want to be better. It's totally okay to want to better yourself, better your business, better your family, improve your household, improve in general across the board. There's absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to be better. But at what point can you step back and sit in what you've accomplished thus far and go, okay, I'm satisfied with this. I'm happy mm -hmm. with this. I'm comfortable with this. Do I need to do more? Do I need to, you know, if I've sold 148 houses in 2021, am I going to try to sell 160 in 2022? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. Am I content and happy with that level of success? If I'm the chair of this, am I good with that? Do I want to go on to the next thing? And what is the next thing? If I'm content, does that mean that I'm not going to improve, but if I continue to improve, what exactly is it that I'm striving for? It's a very interesting balance. It's yeah. like a perfect storm of an existential crisis and general self-doubt. Yeah. Like, <laughs> can I do this? Do I want to do this? Why am I doing this? What is the point of it all? I mean, yes. I can't tell you how yes. many times I have that conversation and we have that conversation with each other. Like, why am I doing this exactly? And right. it's like, okay, I'm doing this because I want to, I want to, a positive life. I want a good life. I want to be able to retire someday. I want to be able to send my kid to college without worrying about it. I want to be able to, you know, give back to the community and give back to the industry that gives so much to me. And that is all the right reasons. But at what point are you satisfied with what you've accomplished and you just let the next person take that on yeah, from it's there? the why. It's the why. If you don't have a why, then you can get caught up in it. And two, if it's all about like you can go and you can achieve and, and wanting to do things well is not really a bad thing, but in the process, how do you treat yourself and how do you treat the people around you? And if those things are off, there is no point because at the end you will be by yourself with your success. And that's not a place that I think any of us ever want to be. No. Well, and I think it's unique too, because you get to a certain point of success to where how is my life any different with an extra 10 grand, right? Okay, cool. It's, it's not going to change in any real meaningful way for me. And sure, I'd like to have it, but it's not a deal breaker for me. And you start looking at some of the other professional successes, whether you are the chair nationally of YPN, whether you've been the president of the affiliate council, you've been affiliate of the year. And now it's like, what the hell else is there left for me to do? I mean, I, I know I can see this in my own life too, where it's like, I got plaques and whatnot, but it's like, but what now? Mm -hmm. um, how do you, you wrestle with, all right, what, what's the next thing? Because sometimes that high performer now without a target can be a tough thing to manage, Cal. Uh, I think that's why some of us, her and I do what we do in the outside with competitions and she's has her gym. I think we're all searching for something that kind of makes it a little bit more fiery again. Mm -hmm. And, um, with, with the competition, the kind of competitions I'm in, I mean, unless Fit, I, fitness competition, yes, cr CrossFit, cr 
CrossFit competitions locally. I mean, unless I'm a 25 year old with, with all the time in the world and, and really good genetics, I'm not going to the games, but this gives me something to be better at because that target is so way off. Um, so that's what I enjoy. And, and, but also, um, when it comes to what I do in marketing, there's always something new and changing. So even if I had all of the things together in the marketing realm, there'd be something else that I can do. So there's always a layer that I can add on to make my, um, my department function better and more successfully. Well, and what I've learned from some of my YPM friends across the country over these last few years is everybody has a different side hustle. And this was like very new to me. I just, you're a realtor and this is like what we do. And we help people achieve the American dream of home ownership. That's, that's what the goal is. But no, I got a friend that like owns a tie company and this other friend like makes socks and somebody else is invested in this various other things and bought a as seen on TV grill situation. And I'm like, Oh, Oh my gosh, like y'all can do different things. Mm -hmm. And when that, when that light bulb went off about two years ago, I was like, oh, well, maybe this isn't what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Maybe there are other opportunities, other options, other things that I should explore that I should look into still want to do real estate, still my bread and butter, still what I love to do every day. But like, is there something else out there? Almost like we're going through a midlife crisis very, very early, but um, <laughs> that's not what's been modeled for you either though. When you look at your mom who you followed in a lot of those absolutely. footsteps, she has made it to her sixties and had a phenomenal real estate mm -hmm. career. So you're doing, this is what you're supposed yeah, to do. And, and having you have that shift of like, Oh shit, there's other stuff. Right. And you have to have that conversation with yourself about why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. What is my why for a while? I didn't know that. And there was that thought in the back of my head is my why just because this is the next logical step. And this is what I'm supposed to do because of the second generation realtor and what she's accomplished. And this is just what's expected of me. Is that mm -hmm. why I'm doing this? And some of them were some of them looking back, I did those things just because that was what I was expected to do. Now that I've kind of had some of these epiphanies and been out into the world, I guess we'll say, and made these relationships with other realtors across the country, I'm realizing, okay, one, I do have a passion for this aspect of it. And I'm happy that I'm involved in the way that I am, but also there's so many other things mm -hmm. that I can go and branch off to. And I've actually, you know, brought mom with me into those things. She owns the gym with me because like, why not? <laughs> um, it's, it's been an interesting adventure, but especially these last 18 months to 18 to 24 months has really been just a whole new world for me. Yeah, it's been my experience that a lot of times the sacrifices that we're making in our life and, and having to kind of cut back on certain things, they don't usually occur all in one moment. It's like, okay, we, we've got these pieces in our life that we like, and now all of a sudden we've given them all up today. It's more likely for it to be kind of a slow creep mm -hmm. that we may look up at some point and go, okay. Oh, crap, I didn't realize that I had traded all of these things away to accomplish whatever. How frequently do you believe that there are these, you know, real estate professionals that are making these sacrifices slowly every single day without even realizing it happened? Or do you think it is a more sudden thing for some? I think it's, it's two different things. I think that, um, when you get into a profession and it's going so well that you need to step away from certain personal obligations, you can maybe have that conversation with your partner or whoever it is that is close to you and say, you know, I'm going to have to, I'm not going to be able to do this. 
But then when you say, well, I've already done that. So it's a little easier to ask to do that again. And then all of a sudden it just becomes part of, well, you know, they're working. So it's, it's not that big of a deal. But if that other person never says anything, then it becomes something that, you know, you can step away whenever you want to. And that's just part of your life. And then you later find out that it's, it's a detriment. Um, and also I, I can't say that everybody that enters into our market, um, and what we do is already at a great communication point with their partner or with their family. So, when they join a community, find success in it and monetary success, and those people only know you in that capacity of success, you are, you're, you're the rock star. you're doing all the things and you're the best thing at a sliced bread in that community, but your family knows you in a whole different way. And if you haven't repaired those relationships, it's a lot easier to just stay with the community that's cheering you on rather than go back and fix the problems with the people that matter the most to you. And then the divide happens and I'm feeling attacked right now, Kel. So we're going to cut you <laughs> off. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that we're going to let you talk anymore. So well, gonna- in general, there's a reason that so many realtors are married to other realtors. There's yes. so many reasons that realtors are married to other lenders and mm-hmm. our industry as weird as it is, is very incestuous because we have a very weird lifestyle. Life. We have mm-hmm. a very weird industry that it's hard to explain to my friends that might want to go have dinner with me at six o'clock, why I can't tell you that I can go until five 30 and why you have to tell me a week in advance and I have mm-hmm. to put it on my calendar and I have to block it out. Otherwise I will double yeah. book myself because if somebody needs to see that house, we're going to see that house because I have to make it convenient for me and convenient for them. And unfortunately my relationships with friends and family can flounder because of that. That's why we have friends in the industry because Mm -hmm. Kelly's not going to take any offense to me at all saying, listen, I can't tonight or, hey, I'm going to be 45 minutes late. It's okay. Like life happens, work happens. And she's also fine if I show up to her house with my computer and say, I'm just going to, we're going to talk, but I'm going to have to do this offer at the same time. And it's just an understanding. Whereas other people, marriages suffer and relationships suffer in this industry because they just don't get how we have to prioritize other people's schedules and other people's lifestyles just as much as we do our own. People get in this business, you know, I can make my own schedule. (laughs) Good luck with that. You can set boundaries and you absolutely should. You should protect your time a hundred percent. And I have ways that you can do that, but you still, to some degree, it's a very interesting balance of being at everybody's beck and call at the same time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, when we're talking about those guardrails, right? And you're saying like, I, I want to protect whatever this is that's uh, that's important for me. Uh, I guess, um, what are some ways that you would you would guide some of the other you know real estate pros that are maybe starting to have to set those boundaries a little bit more because they do feel like their personal time, their passions are a little bit under attack? Um, I was just having this conversation with my daughter just yesterday, um, you, you, it is okay to live by your calendar when you don't feel like you have control. You got to be intentional and you got to make time for it and you got to put it in your calendar and know that it's there. And for us, if it's in the calendar, it's more likely to happen. Um, also, with relationships, when you find, if you can find things that you can do together, I mean, Dustin and I go to the gym together for the most part. Um, and sometimes that's the only time we have together. So at least we get that hour, hour and a half to, you know, to kill ourselves in the gym, lament about it on the way home, figure out where we're going to eat and then go about our night. But, um, 
you've got to be able to have conversations, set up your day and, um, and be intentional about what you want your day to look like. Amanda, we know once we get some of these guardrails in place, it's not likely to be smooth sailing from there though. Uh, what are, I guess, what are some of the things that can happen that may, are going to be challenges to overcome in relation to those newly placed guardrails? We've said like, I, I need to protect this. This is important for me. And even still, you can say those things, but that's not going to make it so, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, um, I've gotten in the habit, uh, whenever things get really, really wild and crazy for me, I get in the habit of writing out my list every single night before I go to bed. I mean, to the detail, like I'm going to get up and take a shower and brush my hair and get ready and get my child ready. I mean, down to the detail all the way through the day, knowing full well, none of that is going to happen in the chronological order that I have it typed out in. None of that is going to go down the way that I want it to, but it makes me feel better to know that I have some type of a control over the situation. But the only thing that can throw off your guardrails and your personal boundaries is your business when you're in this industry. New clients, new customers, new listings, new showings, it can all go out the window. I can have a full day planned and scheduled and then somebody cancels and everything moves around. I can have nothing scheduled and all of a sudden I'm out showing five houses and I've got to rearrange who's going to pick up Cameron and who's going to do this and who's going to do that. You have to be nimble. You have to be able to adjust for sure. But anything that's going to throw you off is going to, is going to be your business. It's just the nature of this piece. I mean, the same thing with lenders and same thing with marketing, all of a sudden something happens and everything changes. You can set the boundaries and you should, it will make you feel like you have some control over the situation. It is a bit of a facade, yes, but it does give you some power in, okay, this is what we were going to do. This is not what we're going to do anymore. We're now going to go do this thing, but that is okay. Yeah. Well, and, and sometimes you're going to have those things though, that like, this is a, a level 10 thing that has now come up and it's yes. going to impact my schedule. And sometimes it's a level three and you go, no, no, my guardrails are here for this. Absolutely. You and have it, to prioritize, you have to categorize things on level of importance and adjust accordingly. Not everything is a fire drill. Not mm-hmm. everything is an emergency. They may think it is, <laughs> right. but it's not. And you have to, you have to set up your own little walls to make sure that whatever you're doing or whatever is a priority or is a fire drill is getting taken care of first. And that can be hard. Yeah. And I think the fire drill thing can be passed down. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times with what I do, the fire drill comes to me on a collateral piece that the lender thinks is a five alarm fire to the realtor. And the realtor might think it's a five alarm fire, but really the turnaround time is like a week. It's just what has happened in that day to heighten their emotions and to say, this has to get done like yesterday. So like having, having the ability to say, okay, let's stop. What's the real, what's the real drama around this? What's the real intent around this? And let's, let's bring it back. And I think too, like overthinking while you're in that panic you can start to overthink everything and having people in your life that have give you that space to like, just my friendship is over here and it's okay. My relationship with my husband is over here and it's okay. It's just what's happening today. And right here, that's the issue because they give me space to do what I need to do. Yeah. I guess once you've kind of got these things where you say, this is a passion of mine that I'm going to go work out for an hour a day because that keeps me as a better realtor, a better mom, a better, all of these things that you need to be. Um, How do you go about explaining that to your clients? Because there's going to come a time when like you're on a treadmill for another 30 minutes and someone has texted you 15 times. Yeah, no. And that does happen actually. Um, I don't, Uh, I do know that there are realtors that will, if you call them, which first of all, text them. But if you call them, (laughs) um, and it may say on their voicemail, 
regardless of the time of day, you know, Hey, if this message is received after 6 PM and before 7 AM the next day, I won't return your call until the next day. I appreciate that. And I think that is fantastic. If you can operate that way, I cannot operate that way. I've never been able to operate that way. I don't really want to tell you exactly what I'm doing at all times, 24 seven. Um, so if, if you call me or you text me and I don't respond, I will. And I think for me personally, and just our level as a team of top producing, our clients know we take care of business and our clients know that we will get it handled and we will get it handled in a timely manner. It just may not be this very, very second. And one thing I've also learned that mom taught me and has proven to be incredibly helpful and effective is that you don't give bad news after five or 6 PM at night. It's just not worth it. You don't know how their day has gone. You don't know how they're going to respond. Everything is better and fresher in the morning. And if I'm sending out a contract or if I'm sending out a file or anything along those lines, is anybody going to do anything with this transaction right this second? If I, if me sending this out, is that going to help further this deal any faster? Or am I just sending this because I want you to know that I am working harder than you are. And I'm working at nine and 10 o'clock at night. If that's Mm -hmm. the point, don't do that. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. I promise. Mm. That's so good. That's so good. Uh, do you, um, I guess, do you approach protecting relationships differently than you would protecting things you're passionate about? I mean, you, you've obviously, you are a wife, you are a mother, you've got great friends in your life as well. But then you've also, you're, you're talking about these CrossFit competitions, some of these other things that you're doing for yourself. Do you have a different approach when you're talking about how you're going to protect those things differently? Yes. Um, I think that while, while being competitive, not even being competitive, but participating in these kind of events is something for me. Um, now if I have only one in a season, I may prioritize that over other personal things, but if I'm doing like four of them, I know it's more about participating and it's more about, um, showing, you know, leveling up my own strength. However, When it comes to my kids right now, they are 11 and 15. They need me a lot right now. And emotionally, Mm -hmm. carting them around. And I think a lot of us working moms can attest the hours of 2.30 to 6 or 7 are absolute mania. Mm -hmm. And But they need me. Everything else can fall away, but they need to know that their parents are going to be there for them, whether it's it's going through something with friends, whether it's getting them to their soccer games or whatever it is, they need to know that I'm there. And then also you have to understand and be able to prioritize like, where are you and your partner in their season of their career? You know, before Dustin started Jones Hour, he was in a place where I could take a little bit more of the time. I could be a little bit more supported by him um, logistically and all of that. But now that he he's starting Jones Hour, um, it's been almost a year, that is important to our entire future, our children. And if I need to take a step back, I will do that because I know that's going to make our lives so much better and our city so much better. And if he needs me to do that, I will do that. But it's season by season and day by day. Dustin and I talk every day about logistics. So um, if you think it's a set it and forget it thing with your partner, it is absolutely not because you have to maintain that kind of uh, communication. So um, it just, the hard part is there's no hard and fast answer. It has to adjust constantly and within all seasons. 
No, and the season thing is true. And I've talked about that with mom and with um, Wes. We had an interesting season these last couple months. I We got engaged. I bought the gym. We were still producing like as we have been for the last several years and that's not changing. And then Wes was presented with an opportunity to change careers. And we did have to have those conversations of, okay, what does this mean for me? And what does this mean for you? And we did sit down and I was very honest to say, I want you to take this job because I think it's going to be wonderful for you. And I think long-term it's going to be beneficial. I said, but in selfishly, what I'm also realizing is that you've been working from home for the last two years. The things at the house, the pickups, the drop-offs, the various different things, the dogs, the laundry, things that make my life easier. And when I come home at the end of the day, I'm not like, oh my God, I have a whole nother job to do. That's Mm going to change. So on a selfish level, this is not going to be a great easy season for me. Is it worth it? Does it make sense? Is it going to be forever? It's not going to be forever. Um, And same thing looking in the future. Am I going to run for president of our association? I don't know. Am I going to run for president for state for, for any of those things? I don't know, but I have a window to where Cameron's also 11. By the time we get into 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, I have to be even more present. And I'm fully aware of that because I was a teenager and it was rough. And so if karma is anything, it's going to be rougher. So I'm already forward thinking of what is my five-year plan and where does Cameron fit with that based on her general age? You have to be prepared for seasons to change and adjust accordingly. I don't know that I'm going to function at this level forever because I don't know that that's going to be the best thing for me and my family long term. Do it while you can, but still maintain your sanity. It's a struggle. Yeah. But you guys both have passions that are um, generally physically healthy, right? You've got this gym now, Amanda, that you guys have purchased. Kelly, we talked about you doing competitions now as well. But there are some of us that have passions that maybe aren't as clearly healthy as some of those. I'm not trying to see either of your gyms, actually. So um, it's fine. You did come in mine that one time. I did that one time Mm -hmm, and I ran as quickly as we could. And you're going to come to my CrossFit competition. It's delightful that you say those words. Um, (laughs) But but some of us, we enjoy watching a basketball game. Uh, Some people want to read a trash romance novel or uh, collect bourbon, whatever it may be, right? Do you you think, uh, Amanda, is there a need to put the same guardrails around things like this that maybe don't have that same clear uh, healthy benefit? Yeah, absolutely. I think that there is uh, a benefit to numbing out, zoning out, however that looks and needs to look for you. Um, I talk about when I do the work-life balance speech when I travel, that's one of the things I say, like your phone has a D&D function. You can turn off notifications for a while. That is 100% possible. Um, and if you're decompressing as TikTok or whatever, it doesn't matter. You can sit down and watch two hours of Ted Lasso or you can scroll through your phone for two hours. You can go take a bath. You can go take a walk. It does not matter. But if you need a minute, take the minute. Nobody needs to know Mm -hmm. you were busy. You were doing something. And if that something is truly nothing, just so you can get your composure, just so you can make it through the rest of the day, do that. Nobody needs to know it's going to be okay. Take the time for you. You will benefit from it. And the people around you will benefit from it. If you just do that every once in a while, you have not convinced me to come to the gym with that. There may be some people listening that They've been in this grind for so long that they they may be struggling to remember, you know, what their passions are at this point. What what are the things, what are the things I even need to be protecting? Because I I, I don't know, right? How, I guess, how would you advise someone that doesn't have a a ton of clear direction to to um, approach taking time for themselves, to step away from their business, to to be mentally healthy for themselves? Get a therapist. Yeah, I mean. 
I feel like our generation, mental health is such at the forefront and we're so open about what it is that we struggle with. Uh, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be hesitant and tell you to get therapy if you can do it right now. Access to therapy is much better with things online. You can text a therapist. You can go see a therapist. My, my family believes in therapy a lot. And I do, I mean, I saw my therapist this week and it brought me so much peace. And, and these are, these are literal professionals who are legally obligated to keep your secrets and not judge you. I mean, that's, that's what they are. And they're an expert in what you're going through. They're paid to make your life easier and give you those tools. And I think tools are the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. If you don't know what you need, they can help you do that. Um, and then honestly, if you can't do any of that, cause I know sometimes access to healthcare and these, those things can be much more difficult for some people. Honestly, I love comedy. If I could turn on bridesmaids every night <laughs> and just zone out and watch them do dumb stuff. Friends for me. Yes. And, and I think if you like the, how the kids say comfort shows, yep. um, find your comfort show. And then I like to like have something to do with my hands, whether it's like a, a cross stitch or a coloring book or something like that to just like find that kind of Zen mode where just your mind turns off and, and you can just find some peace or just, you know, God, if gas prices weren't so high, I'd just take a drive to half the state and turn around, <laughs> yeah. you know, just something. And therapy is incredibly important. And that's part of my presentation too. betterhelp.com. Like you can't say that it's too hard or you don't have time. It's 30 minutes and you don't have to leave your house. Yes. The insurance and the cost of it, that is a different story. If you can do nothing else, write it down. Write down what you've got going on. Write down what your thoughts and feelings are about it. Write it down for a few days, a few weeks. The issue or the problem or the solution will come to the surface. If you're sitting here and you're like, I feel crazy. I feel like everything's out of control, but I don't really know why. I don't really know how I got here. We all wake up at some point in our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever, and go, how did we get here? Mm -hmm. And it is a series of small decisions and things. You can look back and go, oh, that one thing probably changed the trajectory of everything for me. But in the time, you don't realize that that's what's happening. But if you can do nothing else, write it down, write it out, figure it out there, and then evaluate your coping mechanisms. Mm. We all have coping mechanisms, whether it be alcohol, whether it be drugs, whether it be working out, whether it be you know, trashy romance novels, whatever it is, evaluate what your coping mechanisms are and then determine, is my relationship with that thing still healthy? If it's Amen. not, maybe pull back from it and figure something else out. I'm not saying you need to go like paint. I'm not saying you need to go sit in a field and like meditate, but whatever it is you are doing, cause you're doing something, mm -hmm. is that relationship still healthy with that thing or that substance? And do we need to maybe put a pause on it and see if that changes our outlook on things? That's so good. Uh, guys, we're wrapping up here and I, I can't uh, begin to say thank you both uh, so much for coming and being, being willing to be vulnerable and share because oftentimes someone will see a sales report and they will see that, uh, man, just, uh, the lots are killing it. That's great. And we'll see Kelly, she got up and spoke of the thing and her life must be great. But you guys are both very uh, open and honest about it. Now that there's a lot of mess in our lives as well. And I think uh, it is great for our listeners to be able to hear that and to hear some of the ways that you manage some of the mess in your life. So thank you so much, both of you guys for coming on. Thanks. Thanks to you. Uh, guys, uh, that does it for this episode of Key Exchanges in the 901. If you haven't already, please make sure you subscribe to the show on whatever podcast app of choice is for you. 
because we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, pretty much all of them. Uh, if you love the show, when you get there, it helps us out a ton if you'd leave us a review. As always, we'll have all of our guests, all of our sponsors' contact information in the show notes in case you'd like to reach them. And in case you'd like to reach me to get in touch with the show or something home insurance related for you or your clients, you can always email me at dwilliams at shoemakerins.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I can't wait to catch up with you on the next episode of Key Exchanges in the 901.